It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans, all of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose, and that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do, and please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, as we are coming to you from Vegas, the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Hopefully you're listening on the Raiders mobile app or Lotus Broadcasting, 920 a.m. or lvsportsnetwork.com. We're covering the breaking news, the passing of Hall of Fame running back Franco Harris, who died earlier today at the age of 72. Mark Davis and the Raiders just put out a statement. It's on Raiders social media. The Raiders family was saddened to learn of the passing of Pittsburgh Steelers legend Franco Harris this morning. Franco was an unmatched competitor on the field and one of the game's great ambassadors throughout his life. From his role in the immaculate reception as a rookie to the countless battles on the gridiron, Franco will always be an important part of Raiders history. He was a generous person who brought happiness to everyone he touched. The prayers of the entire Raider nation are with his wife Dana and the Harris family during this difficult time. That was just released by the Raiders in memoriam, Franco Harris, with a picture of him from the last time he was in Oakland. So that happened earlier today. The Raiders play him on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception game, and that game is in prime time on Saturday night, and the Raiders have to win. And the Steelers also have to win. Does this add to the backdrop of it? Absolutely it does. Uh, This has a magnifying glass all over this game. The game is magnified before that, and Franco was having his number and still will be retired at halftime of this game. Shocking that he won't be there for that. Shocking that he will not be there for that, which he deserved. This is a great honor to his great career and family and friends. Uh, We're waiting on Phil Villapiano. He's traveling to Pittsburgh, so he might have ran into a little bit of trouble. Raymond Chester already joined us, and we'd like to hear from some Raider fans on the rivalry. You know, Franco did not die today. We'd be talking about the Immaculate Reception on the 50th anniversary, and we'd be previewing the game. So let's go through that, and let's get a feel for that. When Franco retired through the 1984 season, 12,120 yards. Jim Brown, 12,312. Less than 200 yards separated the greatest running back of all time, Jim Brown and Franco Harris. At that time, number one, this is before Emmett Smith put up his numbers, Walter Payton, 13,309. So Franco was right there, but Franco had all the rings. He had four of them. You look back at his career as a winner and as a running back, uh, second to none with those championships. A dark day for the Pittsburgh fans. Imagine what they're going through. Pittsburgh fans have a lot of respect for Raider fans, and the same goes back and forth. Vinny Bonsignor joins us from Vegas Nation. Obviously, Raiders fans know him from the great work he does on radio and the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And, Vinny, I caught you earlier today on the morning show as you were talking about Franco's legacy. This came as a shock as you got the news this morning. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, you know, uh, going to Pittsburgh this weekend, all the uh, historical significance, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, no matter which side of the aisle you are on, it's still one of the most iconic plays in NFL history, if not the most iconic play in NFL history. You had Franco Harris um, getting his number retired. Uh, obviously, the Raiders and Steelers playing a really important game. It's a knockout game, an elimination game. Um, so you're looking forward to that without question. You know, and then you wake up to the news that the great Franco Harris had passed away, and it was just numbing and shocking uh, and sad. I know Phil Villabiano is talking about how um, they're going to try to make this a celebration of his life somehow, some way uh, on Saturday. Um, but even at that, and obviously it was a great life to celebrate. There's sadness. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Vinny, this is an important moment in Raider history with the anniversary and the schedule makers seeing this ahead of time. And, you know, the Steelers weren't supposed to have a big playoff run this year. Their roster's kind of making a change at the quarterback position. Raider fans were hoping that the Raiders built on that 10-win season last year. And this is a critical game here because it's an elimination game for both teams. How much of the backdrop of Franco Harris's passing and his retirement do you think has to do with this game? Because the coaches are going to coach the same way. The players are going to play hard here. But the backdrop in the stadium is going to be very surreal and unique for those fans in attendance. Yeah, and, you know, um, this is one of those uh, times where life and and your job and your profession kind of intersect um, in, a, in a way. Um, and, you know, we're all, we're all um, you know, saddened by, by the death of, of, of Franco Harris. Um, it just kind of came out of nowhere, uh, too, and, and that makes it, you know, even more numbing. Uh, but for Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr and, and you know, everybody else, uh, Devontae Adams, they've literally got a job to do, and that job is to go to Pittsburgh and, and win the game. And they've got to be laser-focused um, regardless, and even more so now, uh, because there are uh, extenuating circumstances, mm-hmm. and there are, um, you know, you're going to feel that in the stadium. You're going to understand it. It's going to be everywhere you go, really, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, but you have to be tunnel-visioned here, um, and, and that's what you're paid to do, and, and that's their obligation. You know, there will be time... You know, in these next couple of days, I'm sure we're going to be talking to about the players uh, in the locker room when we see them later today uh, about this and, and then, you know, after the game. But those three hours in what's going to be a very, very chilly Pittsburgh uh, start at 8.15 p- uh, p.m. local time. They have to be laser-focused uh, on that mm-hmm. game, and, and nobody could begrudge them that because that is their responsibility. It is their job, and this is a really important game. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So, Vinny, let's get to the game. I was shocked once again that the Raiders had a 17-3 lead and they came out in the third quarter and couldn't get anything going. What is the issue that you see when you break down the game from the press box or look at the tape afterwards on why the Raiders have these quarters or halves when they're not productive and we just saw them being productive in the same game? Yeah, and, and I think in this, in this case, um, you know, not to make too many, not to make excuses, to be honest with you, but, um, you know, you lose Dylan Parham, you've already lost Alex, uh, Bars, uh, your right tackle, you lose Dylan, uh, the left tackle, or to the guard, um, and, and, you know, all of a sudden, you're really, uh, digging pretty deep into your depth chart at that point. You know, Hannes, uh, Hannes Grassu, he's a, he's a, uh, center by trade, um, the last time he played guard, was in 2018, and that was for 80 plays with the Baltimore Ravens. Otherwise, he's primarily been a guard or center his entire career, going all the way back to high school. Uh, and he had to be the right guard uh, on, on Sunday. Then, then you're talking about Jordan Meredith, who literally 
returned to the Raiders building uh, last week after not being around since mid-September. Uh, he was here in training camp, played a little bit in the preseason, but that's the last football he's played, competitive football he's played, was back in August. Uh, same with, uh, uh, you know, Haronis. That's the last time he had played uh, football uh, or in a football game was, was the preseason. So all of a sudden, those are your starting guards right there. And, you know, talking to Josh McDaniels, it's inevitable and understandable that your playbook changes at that point. It has to. You can't expect those two guys who had just literally, you know, gotten activated basically to the regular roster, hadn't been in competitive games in so long. You can't expect them to understand the playbook as a Dylan Parham does at this point or an Alex Bars uh, and the cohesion and the chemistry with the other offensive linemen. It just isn't there. So to push them a little bit too far, that's not prudent. That's not smart. You have to understand who's out on the field and what you can call as a result. And so there's no doubt they dialed things down uh, in the second half, hoping that the defense was going to be able to you know, con- control the Patriots, and they did for the most part. You know, Unfortunately, there's a pick six uh, thrown by the offense. That doesn't help matters uh, at all. And then you know, there was a, a couple of other uh, issues that happened, and all of a sudden the Patriots take the lead. Uh, credit to the Raiders' offense for responding at that time. They had to. Um, and then, of course, you know, at the end of the game for Chandler Jones to be Johnny on the spot, you know, to, to pick off a, a lateral and take it to the house for the game-winning touchdown. But if you're asking specifically about where things went in the second half, you can really look at that offensive line and understand why Joshua Daniels had to call the kind of game he did from that point on. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So that was great analysis from you. In general, big picture also, you and I have spoken about the amount of time it takes Carr to get the play off and the amount of checking he's doing, I don't think to change the play. He's checking the coverage and, and the blocking schemes here, and he's had all year to do that. And I know things happen in a game, and you mentioned perfectly when injuries and players, you change the scheme and all that. But in general, if he has his typical players with him now, with the addition of Waller and Renfro, they played up-tempo on that final drive when they had no choice to score on that fourth-down reception from Hollins and then the great catch by Keelan Cole. Do you think they will take that type of momentum with them or they won't be able to do that type of passing offense because of the weather elements in Pittsburgh? Yeah, uh, that's definitely going to play a factor. Um, you know, you can't hide from the fact that the weather's going to play a role in this game somehow, some way. Um, however... You know, if, if Dylan Parham is, is out there and Alex Barge is out there, and that's the hope uh, here in Henderson, don't know uh, just yet. Uh, tomorrow's going to be more of a, of a heavy lifting day in terms of what they're going to do on the field, out on the grass. Today's more of a walkthrough. Uh, so we really probably won't know until later in the week, Friday, um, where they are, um, Alex Barge and Dylan Parham. If they're, in the, if they're in the lineup, I think you can feel a little bit more comfortable doing a little bit more uh, of the up-tempo because those guys know the playbook, they know the calls, they know the communication. Um, if you're if you're rolling out there uh, with, the, with the two other guards, that might be a little bit problematic uh, in terms of how much you can turn to that. Uh, but, um, you know, also mentioning the fact that uh, you, you expect the workload for Hunter Renfro and for Darren Waller to expand. You know, they were on a little bit of a of a pitch count uh, on Sunday, understandably so. They hadn't played in a couple of months, or at least uh, Darren hadn't played in a couple of months, and it had been a long time since Hunter had been out there. So you would expect those two players, their roles to expand on Saturday, and that might be able to give you a little bit more confidence as well to go to a more of a a hurry-up type of a thing if needed. Wrapping it up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, I looked at the stats of the quarterbacks on Pittsburgh. Not too impressive. More interceptions and touchdowns for both of them. It reminds me of the Mac Jones game. 
There's going to be a couple of balls put up there that should be picked off. There's going to be opportunities to sack Pickett in the backfield there. You got to win games like this if you're the Raiders and Patrick Graham. You cannot let a quarterback like this with little to no experience have a big day on you. Do you think that the Raiders scheme and the injury report, as we see it later in the week, that the Raiders will have a good day on defense because they've been holding some teams for a quarter or a half and playing some really good team ball over the last month? Yeah, um, and that's a big part of why they're four and one uh, over the last five games. Really, should be five and zero. Oh. Uh, if you eliminate some of those mistakes that happened in, late in the Los Angeles Rams game. Um, but but I, I'm with you. I think this defense slowly but surely uh, has, has become more dependable. Um, you know, they're figuring some things out on on uh, how to utilize uh, certain guys. They got a big lift from Jerry Tillery on the pass rush. It would really help, and we'll find out a little bit later this week uh, as well on Andrew Billings um, if he's going to be able to be available. I think some of what the Patriots were doing in that run game was a direct result of not having Andrew Billings and asking mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Diller to do a little bit more against the run game. That's really not his strength. So hopefully uh, Billings uh, returns. But then also you look at Chandler Jones, you know, over the last, you know, four games or so, uh, this is a, a player that's really been playing a lot better than he had been earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of what the Raiders envision when you're talking about having Chandler Jones creating pressure off one side and Max Crosby off the other side. Uh, and that really does help your back end. All of a sudden, your secondary is playing a little bit better uh, because there's less time for the quarterback to throw, or maybe he's throwing it uh, you know, off balance or, or you know, not in rhythm. You know, and then your linebackers are also playing uh, better uh, because your defensive line is playing better. So if Chandler can continue um, what he's been doing in, in concert with what Max has been doing all year, that is just, um, you know, it really provides a big lift for that Raiders defense. We've seen it now in some of the performances that they've had. And if they can consistently do that uh, in Pittsburgh, they should have a pretty decent day against uh, what you just mentioned, Kenny Pickett, a, a young quarterback. It all starts, of course, with being able to control the run game. It's one thing that the Raiders have done pretty well uh, this year. They're, they're you know, in the top half of the NFL in that regard. But, again, it helps having Andrew Billings out there as well. Hey, Vinny, last football question. Appreciate your time. It seems so many times this year, even when Josh Jacobs is running big and he's had a lot of big games, it's still third and short. And there's a big decision. Do you run it into the wall? Do you run it into the wall because the defensive coordinator stacks the box? Or do you try to make a quick short pass, which doesn't seem to happen much with Devontae on a quick slant or Renfro now back on a quick slant. I'm talking about a two or three yard pass, a high percentage pass. And finally, Derek moving the pocket, Derek sprinting out of the pocket on a third and one or two and finding a little hole and just diving four feet forward. I think that's going to be critical in this snow game or cold game where Derek's got to use his legs. We've been asking him to do this more consistently, not randomly. And I think that's going to have to happen in this game. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, this is one of those games, uh, you know, because Pittsburgh, you look at, at, at their roster, their defensive roster, there's some names on that side of the ball now. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. So you're going to have to grind it out, and that takes all hands on deck. Uh, when you're talking about some of those short yarded situations, uh, that means the offensive line, you know, controlling things, especially in those short yarded situations. That's been a little bit of a problem at times. It's, it's been a problem for the Raiders, those short yarded situations, you know, for the last couple of years. Uh, but certainly, you know, uh, Derek Carr, I think it's it's not the well you go to uh, a whole lot. You know, Derek, when, when he's on the move, um, that's really not his strength. He's just mm-hmm. not that kind of a guy uh, in terms of being able to, to, to run and throw, um, you know, on the run. He's more of a pocket passer. 
but this is a game where if it's there uh, and those three yards become super important or four yards or whatever the case might be, and he does have that opening, uh, this is one of those types of games against that defense uh, where those become really, really important. So if it's there, he's got to take it. Vinny, tell us about your partners. One of the main reasons we get you on is because you have proud partners that you work with, and they've been great to you and us all year long. Yeah, uh, and we uh, are actually introducing a, a new partner, uh, Dos Casas um, uh, Tequila, which is um, available now here uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, it's a new tequila that just launched. Really proud and really happy to be associated uh, with them. In Spanish, that means two faces. Uh, so it represents all sides of everybody, the one you show out sometimes to the public, the one maybe that you are, um, you know, behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, so uh, really happy to bring in the new year with that new uh, sponsor. Uh, and, of course, the Realty One group, all the great work that they're doing uh, in the community uh, and, and providing such a, a, a helping hand uh, in what's a hectic market uh, in the real estate. So mm. appreciate those relationships without question. Thank you, Vinny. Safe travels and good luck getting home to your family for Christmas. Appreciate everything you've done for us this year. Thank you. I really appreciate that, JT. Right back at you. You got it. Vinny Bonsignor, kind enough to join us there. All right, Vinny, you know, this guy's got a family. He's got a great family. He's got got to go to Pittsburgh, get on a flight on his own, get back for Christmas. You know, the players get out of there right after the game. Players get on the plane right after the game. That's a long flight to get home late, late, late on Christmas Eve to be with their families in the morning when the presents are open. You know, guys like Vinny and Vic and everybody who have the insiders here, they got to get there on their own and come back. They really are dedicated to what they do, and we love having them on the show. Uh, 702-365-9200. Uh, rest of the show is kind of open. Phil Villapiano could be delayed because of the struggles with travel today. So I'm talking to his daughter, trying to get him on here, and if not, maybe we can pass him off the queue uh, after the show if we don't get Phil here in time. I'm still hoping we get him here before the end of the show. Raider man, who was at that Franco presentation in Oakland. I remember it like yesterday. He joins us ahead of the Steelers game. How are you, Raider man? Merry Christmas to you. Hey, Merry Christmas, JT. Glad to be on, brother, man. I had to come in and touch bases. I know I've been a bit MIA, man. It's for great reasons, though. I'm a newly employed uh, junior estimator at a prominent company. We're rising up the, 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 the totem pole here of uh, national relevance. And uh, yesterday I was blessed with a raise, so I know my diligence nice. is being rewarded. And, you know, I got to be MI on the radio, but I'm doing it for great causes. I got to grow through this, bro. But dig this, man. I appreciate you, uh, you know, premising this call by saying about the the, the, the thing with uh, Franco in, in, in Oakland. I'm, I'm a little choked up talking about this because that guy, man, to be such a gentle giant like that. You know, when you look at the guy realistically, you know, and I know he's passed, got rest of soul, but – he was just a rookie when that whole immaculate deception thing went down. And, you know, he was the first person for all of the different faux pas that us Raider fans had to grow through over the years with, what, controversial calls and just getting jobs and all these different aspects. He was the first athlete to ever really let us just kind of exercise the demon with him. You know, really, mm-hmm. you know, just slap backs and shake hands, swallow a couple of sudsies. I still remember Rob calling me in the morning, like, Raider, man, get your ass up. You got to get down here and do the oath. We got to dump beer on Franco Harris. <laughs> we didn't dump the beer on him, but we went through everything else. And that was a hell of a day. We had a lot of fun out there. And, you know, shout out to Phil, you know, because he always graced us, you know, with that relationship. I'm, I'm sure it's pretty, you know, tough for him to try to speak on this today. And God bless his heart if he's able to. But, you know, even if not, man, you know, he's brought so many great memories, you know, to, to intertwine these organizations in national prominence. 
you know, because John Madden had a hell of a time getting over that hill to, to get the national prominence and beating that team. But we beat the champs and became the champs, and we earned our respect. And like I always like to say, we had two before them freaking whiners even know what to do. So people like to get the history twisted, but we as Raider Nation, we holding the mantle, man. And I just hope that we all stay proud. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Christmas season, so I do my little uh, Christmas poem. You know, uh, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Safe travels to Pittsburgh. I hope the dogs bite. Let's go win this game, man. I saw you, JT, man. I'll talk to you guys after a while. Keep me up in prayer. I'm growing through everything, brother. See what I'm looking at. Good to hear from you, Raider, man. Appreciate you calling in. Uh, as we go back in time to when Franco came to the black hole, and you, know, you don't normally see a Hall of Famer walk out into a parking lot and hang with the opposing fans, put on a hat, a black hole hat, hold up his uh, gift that he had, his plaque, and obviously the, the black hole put him in the Hall of Fame, which is unbelievable because of his love for the rivalry. And the black hole loves that type of rivalry. 702-365-9200. If you have a Franco call before the top of the hour, that's great. If not, give me a Raider call on the priority to win this game. This is big Raider stuff now. This is, oh my God, what are the Raiders going into? Could you make it any more difficult from a fan perspective? Not the players. I'm not going to build this up that the players have to go beat Franco Harris. I never would go there. Franco Harris is having a dedication. His number's being retired. In just two days, and he died suddenly. Two days away from one of the highlights of his life. And I'm sure he would have had on his gold jacket and been there at the 50-yard line, and no one would have got out of their seat. You know, often when the Raiders do this with Coach Flores, and I'm privy to the information, I try to tell everybody, get in your seat. Don't go up. The nightclub will wait for you. You know, the, the Twitch Lounge and the Modelo Cantina will be there. Stay in your seat and watch that tribute to Cliff Branch. It was beautiful. Well, every Steeler fan is going to be in their seat unless they have to warm up because it's three below. And they got to get a break and get out of that cold because Franco's getting his number retired and the Raiders are in town. And Pittsburgh wants to beat the Raiders. If they win, they pass the Raiders. The Raiders are eliminated. The Steelers are still alive. And the Steelers will need the same help that the Raiders need. Right? That's what we've been talking about this week, which is a positive. The Raiders are in a situation as we go through this playoff race that the Raiders have a chance. They have a little bit of a chance going on here with what could happen here, but it's a far-reaching one. But the key to the Raiders staying alive and having an opportunity to make the playoffs, to me, is simple. They need Jacksonville. Jacksonville is, is playing the Jets tonight. Whoever loses has the one loss, and the Raiders have to run the table. So let's assume for fun in this conversation the Raiders win their final three games. Why not? We're on the flagship. Okay, then Jacksonville loses, they're out. If the Jets lose to Jacksonville, they're out. Then we'd need Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's going to win to lose one of their final two. They will. Then the Patriots only have to lose one of three games. They will. Their schedule's the toughest. The Chargers would have to lose two of their final three. They won't. The Chargers are going to the playoffs. The Dolphins need to lose their final two out of three, which I think is possible. It's probable. They could lose two out of three because they got Green Bay. And I think Green Bay can put up a really good fight with them. We'll see. It needs a, not le- a lot needs to happen, but I would love to go into Christmas with the Raiders' victory and set up the show next week so we have another week to preview the Niners as the Raiders are alive. If not, I'm going to come on the radio Monday if the Raiders lose, and I don't want that to happen. And we're going to preview the M- Niner game with the Niners going to the playoffs already and the Raiders eliminated. That's not going to be easy. But it'll be the Niners-Raiders, and we'll have a lot of content, but it will not be easy 
for the fans to be excited about the game the way they would if they were still alive. I want the Raiders to be alive because I think they can beat Brock Purdy. No way Brock Purdy's coming in to Allegiant Stadium and putting up a 300-yard day and throwing three touchdowns. That can't happen. That would be a miracle. So Derek Carr getting back home with an opportunity to win, that would be something special. We're waiting on Phil Villapiano. Also, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. He's going to check in. Big name, big broadcaster. I believe he has the Lions game coming up. And the Lions are a playoff team. If they win out, the Lions are in. We want to get the Raiders in, but the Lions possibly will be in. The Jets. Come on, man. Raiders need to be in the playoffs, not the Lions and Jets. That's why they added that extra game and added a wild card team. So we'd all be alive this time of year. Hopefully Phil Villapiano before the top of the hour. And let's hear from you, Raider fans. What's the key to the game? Are you more nervous now with the news and the breaking news today, or you think the Raiders could rise above it? This is the flagship of the Silver and Black. Yeah, so it's funny. My uh, my best friend growing up, uh, Nelson, he uh, <laughs> he was a diehard. He still is a diehard Steeler fan. So we used to go to Buffalo Wild Wings in, in, in Grapevine, Texas, every single Sunday and watch the football games. And he would have his Troy Polamalu jersey on, and he would always talk about Big Ben and the Steelers and ball like constantly. And his dad is also a diehard Steelers fan. So um, I grew up hearing about the Steelers all the time. Uh, you know, they're a legendary, legendary organization. You know, they've, they've done it the right way for numerous years. Um, and it's exciting, you know, going to Pittsburgh. I've never, never been there in my life, so really looking forward to it. Um, it's got a lot of tradition. I'm excited to go there and, you know, put on a show. Well, how cool is that? Mad Max Crosby. I've been to Pittsburgh before. Yeah, there's a lot of young guys in the league. They played in schools wherever they were, Eastern Michigan, or if they played in the South and they've never been to Seattle or they've never been to Santa Clara, never been to Pittsburgh, maybe never been to New York to play at MetLife in New Jersey. So I like that about Mad Max. Mad Max understands the history of this game. He has a chance to be a Hall of Famer. You know, by this time of your career, you should have an idea if you're going to be a pro bowler. You should. If you get drafted in the fourth round, the sixth round, the first round, you play two or three years in the league. If you haven't been to a pro bowl yet, Clock is ticking. It's ticking on the Hall of Fame, but it's not ticking on the Pro Bowl. You can go to the Pro Bowl in your 10th year if you have a good year. Mad Max is building the foundation of going to 8, 9, 10 Pro Bowls and maybe having a chance for a gold jacket. And he's around all the gold jackets because Fred Bolitnikoff, everybody see the video of Freddie on the sidelines? I tweeted it out from the pregame with Devontae and Hunter. And that's really cool. Marcus Allen and the time he's spending with Josh Jacobs, incredible. And you hear Mad Max Crosby from time to time, a great defensive player, comes into the Raider locker room. And a whole bunch of players in town for the 50th anniversary and the new documentary that we've, we're starting to see. I hope you saw it last night on the Immaculate Reception. Well, those players, Art Toms, who was there, George Bueller from the offensive line, George Atkinson, who's been a part of the staff, they're in the locker room. They're there for Mad Max and Chandler Jones to talk to. It's one of the coolest things about this organization. The alumni are the most important facet of that, and they are always around, which is great to see. Uh, let's get out to Big Al. Big Al in San Francisco. What's happening? Uh, JT, happy holidays to you and your family. Hope everything's going well. Yeah, how you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing okay. I woke up this morning to this horrible news, and yesterday I was listening to an interview, um, and he didn't sound good. And yeah, you know, I just the first thing I thought he didn't didn't sound good, and I thought okay, maybe it's just the season. And obviously, you know, because I didn't give it too much thought until I woke up again this morning. Mm. You know, the Raider Pittsburgh rivalry, and actually the Raiders' um, reputation. Uh, at, you know, as being like kind of a, a team that was built on the edge and played on the edge was really solidified in that game. If you look back, every team in the NFL has always had guys that played on the edge. It's, you know, this goes back to the 40s. But the uh, the Raiders' reputation as, as an us-versus-them type uh, situation where everybody was against the Raiders and there's conspiracies and that the Raiders played on the edge and so forth was really solidified in that game. And if I remember correctly, uh, you know Jack Tatum, who laid the lumber on Fuqua, uh, you know Frenchy Fuqua mm, yeah. going over the middle. I think he was a rookie that year, and he was a very, very good rookie and a, and a hell of a football player. But um, that play kind of solidified his re- uh, reputation, mm. and eventually being you know his nickname was the Assassin. Um, it's you know in terms of uh, you know the, the history of the Raiders and. Uh, the history of rivalries and so forth. Franco Harris, a, a tremendous, great, great football player, and a big part of that rivalry. And I felt, I feel very sad that mm-hmm. um, that this has happened. He's, you know, seventy-two years old. I saw him a couple years ago. He was in pretty good shape. Yeah. And uh, especially with this weekend coming up, I hope everybody rem- remembers this as, uh, you know, as a, as a, you know, remembers him as a man who played incredibly hard, was an incredibly talented football player. And a major part of Raider history, and probably in a positive way. At least that's how I yeah. look at it. Great phone call, Big Al. Appreciate it. I think everybody should remember him. Thanks for the call as a great human being, because he's a humble guy, and everybody says that about him. The two times I met him in Canton, Ohio, and on the sidelines in the black hole and at the Raider game, he couldn't have been more generous with this time. And again, I don't want to make this about the show, but we were going to have him on tomorrow or the next day. Phil had it set up. Phil told me, hey, man, we'll get Franco on with you. And Phil, who's traveling and, and running a little bit late, we're going to get Phil on tomorrow most likely. If we don't get him on in the next few minutes, Phil would have set that up. So I'm not making it about me, but I would have loved to have interviewed him again. And not for the last time. He's only 72. I thought Franco would live another 20 years. But we would have had him on this week. And uh, I look back at the times that Phil told me about him, and then I finally met him. It's a sad day, especially sad for all those Steeler fans. And the Raiders will meet the Steeler fans at that stadium and have hopefully a good time. Hopefully the Raiders get the win. Big Al mentioned the interview. The last person to interview Franco Harris was Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Mad Dog, I'm on his channel every night, a couple of nights a week on Sirius XM. Here's a snippet of the conversation yesterday. You had the ball, you had a good field goal kicker in Jarella, but yeah, I don't remember what you did. You must have stumbled on the first three plays, Franco. Talk about those three plays prior to your play. What was Bradshaw saying in the huddle? Let me hear. Well, well, you know, like uh, all of them are pass plays, and and not that I'm really a big part of the pass play. Even, even that fourth down play, my assignment is to stay in and block with the linemen. Uh, so things didn't go too well on those first three plays, uh, as you know. And then it gets down to fourth down, a long way to go, 22 seconds. And I go into the huddle and I tell myself, 
Franco, this will probably be the last play of the season. It was a good season. Just play it to the end. And he called that 66 halfback option. And once again, my assignment was to stay in the backfield and help on help with the blocking. Uh, so that's and and like there wasn't much, uh, you know, say uh, like adrenaline or 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 like whatever, uh, you know, like in the huddle. Uh, uh, you know, after Kenny Stabler scored, we're winning the whole game, and right at the end, he scored. Uh, it was like it seemed more of a letdown than anything. Hmm. Now, and, uh, well, well, when he called the play, he—I've watched—I saw. I was watching it carefully last night, Frank. When I was actually watching what you were doing, you did block well. But when you saw him uh, scramble to the right, you did go out in a pass pattern. So you thought you might be an outlet in that sequence, correct? Yes, that's exactly what my thought was. You know, my thought was to release to be an outlet pass, and. And Bradshaw being as, you know, big and strong as he is, you know, guys trying to bring him down, he's able to fight them off and get the ball into the air. And when the ball and when the ball is in the air, I tell myself, right? I tell myself, go to the ball. Go to the ball. That was that's what Joe preached to us all all four years at Penn State. You know, always go to the ball. And when he threw that ball, automatically my mind said, go to the ball. And and so I started taking some steps to the ball. And I remember nothing after that, which is, which blows my mind, right? That I have no visual, no recollection, no memory of anything until I'm stiff arming Jimmy Warren going into the end zone. Well, how about that? So you blacked out almost. Joe, of course, is Penn State with Paterno. Franco was a wonderful back there, first-round pick. And I think you were a first-round pick and obviously uh, a rookie on that team. Now, that ball took a huge ricochet. So he, uh, Bradshaw had a gun. He got that ball out the midfield pretty quick. And you were about uh, you were a long way away. And that is why the ball had to hit him in the pants, Tatum. Because, Franco, you're a well, long way away from that ricochet when you caught it uh, right near the ground. How about that? Let me hear. Well, you know what? When I watched the film, as I said, I can't remember anything of, of the play uh, pass just leaving the backfield. But when I see the film and I see it in real time, it just blows my mind how quick that is. I'm saying, oh, my gosh. I mean, that ball flies back, right? Bradshaw throws that ball and then, boom, just seconds that ball is, you know, is upon me. And I have no idea how I reacted so quickly and, got it and, and, and kept in stride and even looked up a little bit just, you know, to try to get the lay of the land. I'm saying, how did all that happen in just those few seconds? It didn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, like I just, like I just don't understand it. Now, I've always had great reflexes, right? But you don't practice stuff like this. And... 
and I'm just trying to see how quick it was and how quick you have to react with something that's never happened before. How about that? That's the last interview of Franco Harris by Christopher Mad Dog Russo. That's it. That was the last one. That was yesterday, early afternoon, early evening, and Franco passed away in his sleep. I don't know exactly what happened. Raymond Chester's friend said it was AFib. What it could have been, hopefully he rests in peace, and he died uh, painlessly, and everything's okay with his family, but a lot of people are going to be grieving there. Really happy that Bobby was able to turn around that sound. That's the last conversation anyone had with him in the media, and we were going to have him tomorrow or Friday. And he passed away suddenly. Very unfortunate there. Appreciate Mad Dog and Sirius XM for that sound. When we come back, I'll check in on our diamond jeweler, Michael E. Minden. It's the holidays. I got another hookup for you. Say one thing about these shows. Say one thing about these shows. We got hookups. It could be meet up. I got Grimaldi's $50 gift cards. We got the Remy Martin. We got the Modelo. How many people come up to me? JT, can I buy you a Modelo? Yeah, buy me a Modelo on Christmas after the Raiders win on Christmas Eve. I'll have one with you. We'll wrap it up. If you got a Franco call or a Raider call, 702-365-9200. Happy holidays, everyone. Derek is a, uh, is a lifelong Raiders fan growing up. Even the games before you were born back in the 70s where they just had these Raiders-Steelers rivalry games yeah. and so forth and the Immaculate Reception, all that stuff. What are some of your early, early yeah, memories the of the ground. Steelers? And, <laughs> and just some of the thoughts that you had of the Steelers and players that, you know, as a, as a Raider growing up, yeah. as a little kid, what were, what were your thoughts of the Steelers? Yeah, well, you know, you got to respect them, obviously. Yeah, it's like I said, that ball touched the ground, but uh, – uh, you know, we've had our fair share of battles in my career, too, which is fun for me to have a little bit of part of the history, you know, uh, of that rivalry. It's Derek Hart commenting on the ball touching the ground. Franco Harris. Unfortunately, Franco passed away today, heading into the Immaculate Reception 50-year anniversary. Raiders play on Saturday. Right after the show, I'm going holiday shopping, Christmas shopping, because I wait for the last second. If you need any type of jewelry, the best of the best in town, my personal jeweler, Michael E. Minden, joins us. Michael, perfect timing. Our listeners are running late. they got to get to see you. How are you, my friend? I am good, JT. Wonderful to talk to you and speak to your listeners, too. We've got, we've got immaculate jewelry receptions for you guys, too. <laughs> I love that. Listen, I've come to your store. I've bought several pieces for my wife. The service from your staff is incredible. And if you need a return or you need an upgrade, you are always so generous with your time and what happens there. And we're getting late. We're in Hanukkah. We're getting ready for Christmas, the New Year, and especially after the New Year, heading into Valentine's Day. Tell us about your store and what you do best. Thanks, JT. So in a nutshell, there isn't anybody in town that has more of a selection than us. Our prices are priced better every day. No sales, no baloney. The lowest prices after somebody has 50 off or 70 off, our prices are lower every day like that. And you have to also understand that, you know, with gold going up and diamonds going up, everything going up, what happens in a lot of other places that you can shop is the quality of the diamonds goes down. Maybe the gold goes down to 10 karat gold. Maybe they just cover silver with gold plating. There's, they, they still have to make margins and money because they're big corporations. It's just me. 
just try to be the best family, most trusted jeweler in the city with the best prices. You get real gold. You get real good quality. And and I've got things for $100. i got things for $500. And if you want something really, really important, I, I have all of those things, too. We have a factory right in the Fashion Show Mall where our store is. And if you want something custom-made, probably half my business are clients that are asking for things to be created. We do them right away. There are modifications and things that I can do still before Christmas. I might even be able to squeak out a couple of custom jobs. But chances are very high you're going to find exactly what you want in the store. And we we have a lot of things that are not even out. Just tell us what you're looking for. And we're going to take very good care of you. We want to be your jeweler for everything forever. It's not a one-time thing and drive-by. And JT, right now, any purchase that anybody makes over $200, we're going to send them to a wonderful show. The the guys that want America's Got Talent um, Illuminate at the Strat voted best new show, voted best date show. We're going to give you a pair of tickets to go see the show. Just just one of the ways that we thank our clients for being clients of ours. Michael E. Minden joins us, and we had a great conversation about especially lab-grown diamonds and certified natural diamonds. Someone wants to get engaged, the diamond ring, a priority. It's important. I'm all about trust. We've been friends for a while. I trust you, especially with the product that you have and the quality. That's very important here. Thank you very much, JT. Um, Lab-grown stones are all the rage these days. They cost about 25% what a natural diamond costs. A lot of people are selling them. But there's different qualities of them, just like in a, in a regular diamond, too. What you'll find when you come and buy lab-grown from us is, of course, it'll be certified, but it's also going to be cut perfectly. And then you're also going to have very high color, D color, E color, F color, maybe G color, and all VS, VVS stones. So they, they cost a fraction of what a natural diamond costs. And there are folks that would like to have a bigger stone. And, and really are on a budget and want to give a beautiful look, it is Diamond Lab is a real diamond that they just grow in a laboratory. So it's a wonderful, affordable option for studs, for a pendant, mm-hmm. or for an engagement ring. And then we have hundreds and hundreds of gorgeous semi-mounts where you take a lab-grown stone and put it into one of our diamond mountings that are all natural diamond mountings, and you, you have a, a wonderful, wonderful um, presentation. And, of course, we have the lowest prices on certified natural diamonds. So what, whatever you're looking for, I promise you, nobody will take better care of you than we will, sir. Michael E. Minden, our proud partner here over the holidays. I'm always there. I love the store. Michael, tell everyone how they exactly get to you, especially over the next couple of days. This is a mass priority for us on the show. <laughs> um, so we're located on the top floor of Fashion Show. Uh, don't let that freak you out. The best way to come to us is right off Spring Mountain, turn in, and drive along the face of Fashion Show, and fat, um, I'm sorry, Saks Fifth Avenue faces Spring Mountain Road, and you can go underground right at Saks. And if you go underground right there, there's almost always parking right underground. And you go into Saks, go to the top floor, and I'm right outside. You'll be in my store in 90 seconds, and then you'll be back in your car and right on to Spring Mountain Road in 90 seconds. It's it's super easy. Um, if you as the days get busier, there's outside parking, but just so you have a benchmark, we're on the top floor on the corner next to Saks Fifth Avenue, and we would love to have all of your listeners come in and 
we'll, we'll take great care of them. I promise. I know you will. Michael, I got to run top of the hour. Thank you for your partnership on the show. You're my jeweler. Anybody I know, as you know, I refer them to you. Go Raiders. Hopefully I catch you at one of these two remaining home games. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm honored JT and hey, for your listeners, you never know who might be popping in my store that's on the Raiders team, too. I know so, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice Go clue. Raiders. Take care. Michael E. Minden, my diamond jeweler. You hear the promos. You hear the spots here. Fashion show mall. Come on, guys. Move. Go get go get some earrings. Go get a, get, get a ring. Get something. He's personal. He'll talk to you. He'll walk you through any budget. Michael E. Minden, our diamond source, right there in the fashion show mall. It's actually really easy to get to, as he told you, with the parking there. So interesting day today. We missed out on Phil Villapiano. I normally don't uh, promote someone if they don't come on. I got a pretty good track record of that, but Phil's running late because of the travel today. We will have him tomorrow. And maybe it's a better idea to have Phil tomorrow because he was highly emotional when he spoke to me today. He's flying back for Franco from the West Coast, so it's going to be a long day for him, but he'll be on the ground in Pittsburgh. And if you're a Raider fan, he's going to be outside. He was going to be outside with Franco in the parking lot where they have that plaque in the ground where the immaculate reception ball hit, where Franco reportedly caught it legal or not. Phil was going to meet Franco there for the pregame presentation and go in with him on the field. I can't imagine what Phil Villapiano is going through right now. Thanks to Vinny Bonsignor. And how about Raymond Chester, who's good friends with Franco too. Uh, tomorrow I interview the head coach, and we'll play that probably Friday. Or Raiders will put it up at Raiders.com and on all their social media. So the coach, we also have a really special edition of Raiders Roundtable that's up. You can get that at the Raiders social media sites at Raiders.com. My my private interview, my exclusive interview with George Atkinson on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. He was on the field with Jack when that crazy play happened. And then we have a Steeler, Andrew Filipponi. The Pony Express tomorrow will join us. He's a Steelers insider, one of the best. We'll break down the Steelers and what the Raiders need to do to win. It's an elimination game, everybody. Looked like the Raiders were going to be eliminated when they trailed New England by a touchdown. Then Keenan Cole had the touchdown, and then the Chandler Jones touchdown. I hope it's not that dramatic for the Raiders. They're a better team than the Steelers, but that's going to be a really unique environment. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. I'll see you. I'm going holiday shopping. I got no time left. Head on out and holiday shop. Michael E. Minden, thank you, too, at the fashion show. Q's on deck. Always a great show. Have a great night, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah.